poker's legendary champions, next generation stars, and tireless ambassadors of the game, sharing their wisdom and guiding your journey to high achievement on the green felt. This is Tactical Tuesday on Chasing Poker Greatness with your hosts, Brad Wilson and John Chai. Welcome, my friend, to another episode of the Chasing Poker Greatness podcast. As always, this is your host, the founder of ChasingPokerGreatness.com, Coach Brad Wilson. And today, I'm joined by John Chai. How you doing, sir? Doing good. It's uh, we're in WSOP right now. We're we're in it. It's not the beginning anymore. It's 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 here, and everyone's everyone's in town. Are you going to be in Vegas for WSOP this summer at all? I am going to be in Vegas for the WSOP for a few weeks. Just uh, hanging, chilling out. I have no idea what I'm going to do, like poker wise. Um, what part of the summer are you coming? I'm coming in a, the middle of June. So actually, as of this episode, I, I may actually be in Vegas uh, by the time this episode comes around. So I'll be hanging around Horseshoe and probably visiting some jujitsu gyms over those two weeks. So if you see me, come say hi. If you see John, um, please go say hi, just because uh, I know it makes him feel awkward and, and strange. And uh, I'm a big fan of making John feel <laughs> awkward and strange. But I'm excited. I'm excited to play some live poker. As as I said, you know, maybe a few weeks ago, um, probably my plan, I, I would really like to play more cash games in this trip than I have been in going to these these tournament series. Um, kind of getting getting the bug to play actual poker uh it's hard to play cash when you make day three every tournament right it it is it is um so yeah just plan on playing some cash games plan on doing some jujitsu plan on hanging out with you plan on hanging out with the wolves and yeah if you see me in there battling come say what's up but uh yeah just been yeah trying to get myself back in a frame of mind of of competing and i think that you know, you and I have spoke about this privately, but in training jujitsu every day, or well, not every day, but three days a week for the past like six months or so, my competitive juices are like getting engaged. I'm I'm remembering like, you know what? I used to be kind of addicted to competition for uh, like close to good. twenty years. Like, no, I don't. It's not even winning. I don't win that much. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I win very rarely. Uh, but it makes me savor the wins that I yeah. that I do get um, on the rare occasion that I get them. But like. Yeah, just as like a 12 or 13 year old, I was addicted to com- competition. It, yeah. it was just a part of my spirit. I, 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 if there was anything that I could do um, on a daily basis, it would be some form of competition with my friends, my sister, just anybody that would play video games with me or anybody that play basketball, anybody that play a sport. Like we can make up a, a stupid game that doesn't really matter and the rules are very vague and like that's going to fill my competitive itch. So like, just very addicted to competition from a teenager until, um, you know, just probably (laughs) late thirties. And now, uh, just not having competed a ton in recent memory, like in the poker space, uh, just in, I guess competing, but in a very different, different fashion as I used to, um, my, my, 
the game that I play now is in communicating strategies and helping people play better at poker themselves and dealing with the inevitable downswings of poker, the emotional performance issue related, just a billion different things that quite frankly, um, is infinitely harder than actually just playing poker myself and being able to, you know, only have, have myself to deal with and only be able to have my own problems that I have to think about and communicate and resolve. Um, so yeah, I think that maybe, maybe that's what's getting me in a more competitive mindset to just remembering personal competition, how that felt getting in there, battling, um, the amount of focus and presence that's needed to do something at a high level to compete. Yeah. It's just, it's pulling me back in. And so yeah, not going to say anything prematurely, but I'm feeling the the competition bug. I'm feeling the poker bug a lot more than I have been over the past, you know, couple of years. So it's good. Feeling good. Yeah. All right. Well, hopefully you can hold off on the competition bug for like 30 minutes because I still need you in the communicating to other human beings how to play poker better mode. I, for, for I don't think that's ever going to go away. Yeah. I don't, <laughs> I don't think like... I, I, think I, I, I I really need it, these two hands. This, this isn't uh, just like, a, you know, in general, I need help. This is like, hey, uh, I have ace-king versus a fish, and I, I don't know what to do, <laughs> which is pretty rare. Uh, but, you know, that probably just goes to show how big the problem actually is. Yeah, we, we you know, what do you know about ace-king, right? It's um, it's, a, it's a drawing hand. It's better um, than king-queen, which is it's the better hand than I usually queen. have on yeah. Tactical Tuesday. So. And a Kornikova. It looks Hopefully good, are. but it never wins. <laughs> that's, that's, you know, we have all... <laughs> Uh, if you ask somebody who busts out of a tournament what hand they busted with, right? 95% of the time, it's ace-king. So you just fold it pre. That's that's the obvious solution with ace-king. Um, anyway, that's... Uh, in case the, the podcast listener doesn't know, I'm just joking around. Ace-king is it's a really good hand. It's actually you know one, one of the top four hands that you can get in this game. So anyway, let's move on to the... The hand in question. You have Ace King. That's the theme of the day, right? Um, yeah, it's actually it is the theme of the day is Ace King specifically versus Fish. I have two hands where, man, I, I was like, it's even embarrassing to say that like I was in a spot, but I was in a spot versus players that are, you know, in my opinion, not not all that great at poker. Yeah, the white belts. Yeah. Um, so let's see how you do. Let's see the questions that you need to answer right now. So we're playing 510, four-handed. Uh, the reg and the cutoff opens to $20. I have ace-king. As previously mentioned, I three-bet to 70. And we have a whale in the big blind, like a real, real whale who has not three-bet very much. I think his three-bet percentage was like, you know, under 5% over the 80 to 100 hands that we'd been sitting together. Um, his four-bet, I assume, was even lower than that. And I am... 99% sure that he did not cold for a single hand until this point. So uh, we get the $235 cold for from the whale. The size is actually pretty good. I think it's not, you know, it's very much in the realm of like a reasonable cold for maybe a little bit on the big side. Um, mm -hmm. So just, yeah. I think a, a pretty good size from him. The for the cutoff, podcast listener, it's 20, uh, cutoff opens 20, button 70, and big blind 235 are the sizes. The cutoff folds, and I think we have a decision here um, already, pre-flop. If this was an all-reg situation, or just like not a whale in the big wide, not someone who had been playing extremely passively pre-flop for the last you know hour or something like that, if it wasn't like that, I would just happily jam this spot. Cutoff button, big blind, just let's get it in with ace-king and 
you know, not even really think about it. But I think that would be a, a huge mistake versus this specific player profile. Um, yeah, the, it goes the other way, right? Where like you only have one option probably versus a rag, and yeah. now you've got two options, and one of them is fold. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's fold, folder, call spot. Definitely not jam. Any thoughts of folding here versus the player that I just described? I don't think it's the craziest thing I've ever heard. Yeah. I, I wouldn't say like, oh yeah, that's like torching. Like I, I think folding is actually somewhat reasonable in this scenario. Like yeah. I, I think it's, I, I wouldn't fault you. I know you don't fold because you have ace king and <laughs> this hand is on tactical Tuesday. And like, so, you know, I know you don't fold, but I think folding is actually a reasonable course yeah. of action. I, I agree. I, you know, spot. you know what's going through my mind in this spot before I called, I did click call. Uh, was, I'm I'm gonna flop a king and get stacked. <laughs> like that's 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 yeah. exactly what I was thinking. Um, which is probably a good you know indicator that maybe I could start seriously considering fold more. Um, but yeah. I don't. Yeah. So I put in the hundred sixty five dollars. Go yeah. to a flop. We do flop a king at least. Mm-hmm. Get the we get the miracle flop. The the only flop that I'm really happy to see. Um, even I. <laughs> Yeah, maybe like Ace Ace X is like the same thing. But anyways, King King Four. Just pretty can't good. believe how hot I'm running. Just yeah, thanking the poker gods for for the stack. Mm-hmm. Um, so the whale in the big blind to four bet preflop uh, decides to check. Did not expect this. I mm-hmm. thought that they'd be C betting some size, not necessarily a quarter because it's a because it's a fish, but just like just C betting aces, C betting Ace King. Um, Probably C betting queens. Maybe queens? Yeah, I don't know. If he, like, what is his checking range here, right? Because his cold four range is extremely narrow, like we said. So, like, maybe we can even narrow down his checking range here. Like, do you think it's just like range and he's just trapping, or I is it only queens? Is it only queens and aces? Like, I don't know. Like, if it's range, I think it's that's kind of an impossible question yeah. on this board to to really know. Um, you know, just something that's like. Actually, a really important concept that I learned like 25 years ago or so. Uh, there's a book by Mike Caro, who I'm going to cite, um, The Fundamental Secrets of No Limit Hold'em. It was like a book in the 90s and a lot of it, or maybe just The Fundamental Secrets of Poker. I can't remember the exact title. But anyway, I don't even know if it's applicable to No Limit only. But one thing that like he noticed um, or he observed in you know lower level players was that he called it the law of loose wiring. And the law of loose wiring was that like, they don't know what they're going to do until they actually do it. And presented with the same exact scenario multiple times, they can choose wildly different actions every single time. Um, it, it's all, it, it's just like somewhat arbitrary. So like, I have no idea if they're checking range. I, I presume they don't have a strategy. And so they're going to bet sometimes when they feel like it, and they're going to check other times when they feel like it. And who knows what is influencing either action, but I don't think it's rooted in like a hard strategy for a spot. I think it's more rooted in how they feel. So basically you don't think that this check is meaningful. Is that like another way to say that? Like you, you can't really read into this at all. Like, well, I'm not going to try to figure out what their strategy is. Okay. I guess that that's, that's the, the main part is like, I, I'm not going to try to figure out like if they're checking range here, what their actual like strategy is. I would say that the check. Hmm. 
I think any action is meaningful, I guess. Yeah. Like, yeah. so the check has to have some meaning. Um, and, and uh, you know, in this spot, that's like, Villain has an extremely tight range. Uh, you know, you can check the, you can, versus their check, you can check back the flop. I think that's reasonable. Um, I think you could also bet the flop, like very small, um, like a fifth. And that's reasonable too. You know, the SBR is such that like, you flopped, you flopped jackpot. So like, it doesn't really matter what you do. You're almost certainly going to be stacking them um, every single time. So yeah, just the figuring out the path where you stack them the most is like the, the critical part of this. And I think that like, no matter what path you take, you're probably just stacking them uh, most of the time here. So better yeah, check yeah, yeah. doesn't really matter to me. Gotcha. And I okay. mean, if they bet, then you're just going to call. So it's not like, like your hand, like when you flop this, it doesn't matter. Like you, you, you can play this hand any way you want. Um, and it's going to be okay. I, I, I'll agree. Sorry. So the reason why it matters is to me is because I know what the turn card is. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I agree with you on the flop. It, it didn't matter to me. I, that, that was my, my sure. choice. Like, yeah, whatever. I'm just, you know, I can check and, and get the money later. I could bet small now and, and get the money, get the rest of the money later. Like you, yeah. you probably, you know, we were basically saying his range is Queens plus and ace King. None of those hands are going to fold to a small flop C bet. And, you know, we probably get the money from all of those. Well, hands we think that's, point. we think yeah. that's their range, right? Sure, sure. We think it is like, there is the possibility that maybe they just do something weird for some weird reason, right? Like, Maybe they got the jack four and like they're just they're the tin deuce and they're like trying to <laughs> yeah. uh, do a Doyle memorial. Like who knows? Sure. Who knows exactly what's going on? Um, I guess for that reason, I mean, I, I don't think it actually matters. I think that like if you bet a fifth here and then check back turn, you can still stack tin deuce and <laughs> jack three or jack four. Um, can't even remember what the the Robbie hand is now. Uh, so anyway, like again, flop is irrelevant. You can better check. doesn't yeah. really matter. Um, you opt to check. That's probably the safer path. I mean, it doesn't matter. They're both safe. It doesn't matter. <laughs> um, the turn, though, does make things more interesting. Yeah. Uh, a little sad to see the turn as soon as it peels. Yeah, queen of spades, sorry. Um, you know, just upgrades one of the hands that we were planning on stacking. Um, not much more, like, fear than that. It's like, you know, I see the queen and I'm like, ah, like, wish it was something different, but not not panicking or anything yet. Um, I think the queen the queen's interesting because it makes it to where like maybe you don't always stack like jacks now if yeah. they did cold four bet jacks. Sure. So like maybe that it has that effect, and then all, all, also the obvious of like it promotes Ace queens queen. full and oh, sorry. Uh, it, it promotes queens to queens full, which yep. is like huge. Um, and now like Jax is also never going to bet the turn or rarely going to bet the turn, which kind of suck, kind of sucks for us, but, um, maybe not even aces, right? Like, let's say he did decide to trap aces on the flop. This might be one of the turns where he's, where they just decide, yeah, I should probably just check again because. Well, yeah, I I think that like, they're going to be on the lookout for threats and like the queen is like, oh no, like now they could, they could have Queens and, and beat me. So uh, I need to like. Be more cautious here without you know the obvious the missing the obvious point of like you're going broke no matter what you do if you have have aces um so don't love the queen don't hate it now i hate it yeah so they bet half pot on the turn um this is deadly this feels deadly right it felt 
okay, I, I'm just gonna say it. I knew, <laughs> like, I knew that this was Queen's Bowl in the in the moment. Um, I know that sounds like just completely ridiculous to say, but I, I think I can go as far as to say that there is not a single other hand that this guy plays in this manner. I yeah, think bet aces two forty six and a four ninety five. I think aces just see bets the flop. I know that that's not like you know necessarily like sound or the best way to do it, but I think fish just see bet the flop with ace king and aces. I think queens checks the flop. Um, they could have ace king. You could be chopping. I think ace king just bets the flop though. That's what I think. It's like yeah, okay, yeah, we could but... be chopping. Yeah, they could check like some hands. They could have ten deuce and jack three and like whatever. But I think they bet ace king on the flop and like that's just I think they bet ace king and aces. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe the only hand that they four bet pre flop and check on the flop is queens. I think the only hand that they four bet pre flop check on the flop and then bet half pot on the turn is queens um yeah. so you just so anyways just <laughs> i mean i don't even fold the river so <laughs> spoil this <laughs> you know it's like it's just it was like the spot where like i i really like if i if i was playing above the rim if i really was playing my a game i would really like to think that i'd be able to find a fold here um and like would have been able to just just trust everything that i said about how this guy plays his range and that there's really only queens full. And I think like, that's a, that's a, that's just a good indicator for me that I'm playing really, really well. And that I'm playing my a game is that like, I trust myself to make these big folds in the spot where like, I'm not going to know the answer and I'm not going to get any feedback that like confirms whether I was right or wrong. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, not to spoil anything, but yeah, this guy does have Queens. And <laughs> so there's a, a fundamental concept. I think that's important for the listener to wrap their head around too, like in the way that villains played this hand. Um, one reason why I think you're able to make this soul read, right? And I think like my definition of like what a soul read is, is when you, you can distill down villains entire range to one hand, like the, based on the actions they've taken leading up to this point, they have one hand and one hand only. And you know exactly what hand that is, right? Like that to me is like a soul read. Um, they only have like one hand in this situation. So one part of, you know, soul reading somebody that is like quite important is that based on their previous actions, they have very few hands in some kind of line that they take or sizing. Um, they just, they funnel in very, very few hands. And so like this all starts getting set up with preflop when they cold four bet, right? So for the listener, this is why it's important to, you know, cold four bet more hands than like aces and queens and ace king, right? Um, out of the big blind, like when the cutoff opens and the button three bets. Because like when you do that, now all of a sudden, like you've kind of made it to where you've got like uh, 34 combos pre-flop, right? You've got aces, you've got kings, you've got queens, that's 18. And then you've got ace, ace king, which is 16. And ace king may not even be pure, right? They, they, they can cold flat. I think with ace king, they can probably cold flat with queens too, to be honest. Like I think some percentage of the time they are going to do it with both hands. So like you've probably even got more reduction based on their tendency to like cold flat. So that's, that's kind of the, the genesis of, of this soul read is that they only start with so many combos. And from there, you just deduce how they would play each of these hands given the profile. Right. And you think like a aces probably bets the flop at a highish frequency, right? But if they don't bet the flop, they probably don't bet half pot on a queen on the turn, right? So like, and you have an ace, which makes it to where they can only have three combos of aces anyway. 
So like those combos are reduced significantly. You have Ace-King, which reduces the amount of Ace-King they have in their range. And Ace-King almost always bets, right? So now like we've we've removed a lot of the hands villain can have. And like Queens is like the one hand that makes sense. Like it's the one hand that they have that they cold for and then play in this mat- manner that like fits fits the profile of like every action that they take is consistent with Queens. And they started with very few hands to begin with. So I think another way to say what you just said is like, there's no removal to them having Queens here. Whereas like there's lots of removal based on their sizing and their actions to aces and ace king and and, and our exact hand too. Exactly. Like given this exact path that they've taken, the line they've taken, the board and the sizing scheme, when you factor in all those variables, like there's one hand that they probably have absolutely, right? They probably have queens at full frequency when they take this exact path and all the other hands that they could have there's alternative paths for them to take um but queens they have it at full frequency which to me yeah like when you actually like look through the puzzle of this hand it starts with preflop and that's kind of like what makes you able to make the soul read on the turn because like you're right it's actually like I, i know this is I have to I have to figure out how to frame this. Um, when you think about it logically and rationally, it makes sense. Like the whole everything makes sense, and like it, it actually seems like somewhat easy, right? Like yeah. that. Oh, if I really think about this, like the only rational conclusion is that they have queens full, right? Much harder to do in game, but if you knew in game, then you did figure out the puzzle on the fly. Like your subconscious knew that they had queens. And, you know, at that point, you know, the next step is just like, it's the execution step, right? That's in a lot of ways, the execution step is much, much more difficult than the actual problem solving step of figuring out, you know, what's going on. Um, You also have to execute, right? Like we've, we talked a lot about soul reads and like, if, if you go back in time and, you know, watch like the old, Negranu videos where he like calls out villain's exact hand and then, you know, still calls <laughs> just to see that he called out their exact hand, right? Like problem solving on point execution, not so good. Um, so anyway, like the reason why I, I, I walked through that whole process of problem solving is that when it happens in game, it feels like it feels like it's a much more difficult problem to solve and it's much scarier to trust your ability to find the answer um, like when you're in the moment. But I think the reality is, is like, if you think about it, okay, like Queens makes all the sense in the world. Like folding isn't outlandish, right? It's just like, it's an above the rim decision. I think it's outlandish, right? But I think that doesn't mean that it's like bad or, you know, like I think it is pretty crazy. Like I, I, I bet that if we showed this hand to like you know ninety percent of people that you know whatever in the village or just people in the poker room or whatever, like they would just say like, oh, this is how can you fold like in a four bet pot? You flop trips with Ace King. Um, yeah, I don't so, care. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I'm just saying that like I, it's you know it is definitely like you know on the scale of folds like this is like one of the crazier ones or it, like looks crazy yeah. on the on the surface. Um, I mean we're never gonna have a hero fold the, episode if. If this keeps up, you know, this, no. this could have been the, the beginning of, of John don't, don't and, John your, and his hero folding. Don't hold your breath for that episode. <laughs> I, um, just, I know he has Queens and I just, 
get snacked anyways if you want to just fly through the the river well it's yeah I'll, I'll fly through like you you call and then uh you know the river is like it completes the backdoor flush, which is maybe their last remaining, your last remaining hope of uh, something that you beat. No, it's, it's not a hope, I guess. Oh. Yeah. Anyway. I know he doesn't have any ace jack suited or ace five. He does not. I mean, maybe ace king uh, of spades you could have chopped with. But oh, not yeah, now. Yeah. <laughs> you actually now lose to ace king oh, of spades. That's true. That's true. One, one combo. Um, so, yeah, villain jams. That's turn. That's river. Has queens full. John loses. Um, ruse ruse his ability to problem solve at a high level and not be able to execute. We um, rarely talk about this kind of stuff on Tactical Tuesday, but I think this is like indicative of a pretty big mental game leak. And I, I like it's like you said, like there's this like I was able to do the problem solving and I wasn't able to do the execution. Like there's like part of me that sort of just like wanted to throw my hands up in the air and say like, oh, like poor me, look at me getting cooler like in these in these hands. Like just like there's like something. There's definitely something there because, like, on the turn, I knew that he had queens, and I just like I like willingly stacked myself, kind of, for some reason. And and you know, part of it is just like, yeah, like no one would say anything if I showed them this hand, right? Like I know that in the back of my hand, mind that most people would just say this is a cooler, you know, move on. Um, and you know, I'm sure that sort of helps allows me to like stack myself a little bit more comfortably, despite knowing that I'm gonna get stacked. Um, but anyways, I, I I think that this is like you know this is like clearly indicative of me like having some sort of mental game issue. Be- between problem solving and, and execution, there's something going on there. You, you know, the name of this podcast is Chasing Poker Greatness, right? And, and I would say that for the listener, like if you're aspiring to play at a very high level, um, you have to not be able to care about what the general population thinks about a hand history. Because like if everybody understands everything that you do, where's your edge at? How are you better than everybody else? Like how, how are you trying to become the best poker player you can and, and actually chase poker greatness, right? Like, so yeah, it doesn't matter if nobody understands what you, what you did or why you did it. Like that's, that's almost irrelevant because like, that should be the goal. The goal should be to play at such a high level that people are like, I don't get it. Like, or even they think like, that's just bad, right? That's the best thing that people think that's just bad because that means they're not willing to try it themselves. And like, you've locked up that edge for the rest of your life. When somebody, when like another pro says something is like just outright losing or outright bad. Um, so yeah, I, I think that you just gotta be, com- get, get more comfortable being uncomfortable and recognizing that like to play at the highest level that you're capable of, you, you must trust these, these reads and these types of situations against this specific player profile. Um, when you say like I knew they had queens full on the turn and I called anyway, I mean that's that's performance, right? That's mental game. That's not about poker strategy because you yeah. knew like the yeah. the strategist inside of you knew what to do. You you just couldn't pull the trigger. Yeah. Um, so anyway, yeah, long episode, uh, long episode. Starting the episode, long first hand. Um, we'll be coming right back at you after the break, and maybe it won't take another 30 minutes, although I'm feeling especially chatty today, so maybe it will. Stick around after the break. You've survived pre-flop boot camp. You've shot the fish in a barrel. Now, prepare yourself for the feeding frenzy. 
comprehensive strategy for gutting every fish in your player pool. Data-driven hero bluffs, light call-downs, and perfect value bets that are maximally designed to hurt some feelings. Feeding Frenzy. Available now at ChasingPokerGreatness.com slash Feeding Frenzy. All right. Welcome back from the break. I've been consoling John this whole time during the uh, the intermission. Just, you can do it, buddy. You can do it next time. You'll have another chance, you know, maybe in two years or so <laughs> to relive that spot and, and do better. Let's see the second ace king. Let's dive More ace right. king, more fish. More ace king. Um, so everybody folds John in the cutoff. Small blind calls, big blind folds. So there is $60 in the middle. The flop is deuce tray seven with the deuce tray of spades. John has ace king with the ace of spades. Um, the small blind checks, you know, just many ways you could go about the spot. My preference probably just start betting a third and check back the turn and kind of see yep. what happens on the river would be my, yep. my general plan. Yeah, I actually consider this C-bet more of like a value bet, even though I think previously I used to think of it as me trying to bluff, but I think I'm actually just value betting ace king trying to get called by worse hands, which I think lots of worse hands will call a third on seven three deuce, lots of two overs. Yeah. All that kind Absolutely. of stuff. Yeah. You, you do you, not get called though. You get raised very tinily. Is tinily yeah. a word? Um now it is. you get raised very small. Uh they check raise to forty four dollars. Um I just can't imagine folding now. You're getting almost five to one. You have like an ace or a king and backdoor spades and just lots of good things can happen like downstream. So backdoor wheel. <laughs> backdoor wheel. Um, you do turn a king. So now the board is king seven, deuce tray with the king seven of diamonds, deuce tray of spades. There's 147, 148 in the middle. And villain bets pretty big, close to pot. Um, they bet 128 into 148. So, any thoughts here other than just call? You ever, you ever raise here? Double flush draw, king seven three deuce. Raising is interesting. I think, I think raising is actually pretty interesting. Like going for something like small and then checking back on like a wide variety of rivers or, and, or folding to the, the bet jam on the turn. Um, I think the raise path is probably easier to play on the turn. You're just less likely to make any sort of mistake and it it makes a lot of sense. So like uh, my preference would be to raise the turn just, you know, yeah. Eliminate any guessing like downstream. Yeah. Our part. And eliminate eliminate guessing play rivers very well and um if they do decide with like a set or something to not bet bet jam the turn then you know you can make it a showdown you can realize all your equity at a much cheaper price so like yeah I, i'm i would be a big fan of raising the turn here personally that's good because i didn't <laughs> <laughs> um and i, I mean you probably know you probably knew that I would probably raise the turn here, I think, yeah. like, when you asked that question, because that's that's a thing that, like, it's it's definitely a weapon that I deploy 
yeah. more often that, than, than yeah, most sure. players, I think. Yeah, yeah. Way more often than me. It's something that you you mention all the time, and I'm regularly just like, oh shit, I didn't think about that. Like I, I only thought about calling. Um, yeah. Anyways, that's that's why I call here because I I didn't think about that. And now you river top two. So the river is an ace of clubs. Final board is ace, king, seven, deuce, tray. Deuce, tray of spades. Um, four, five, completes on the river. You do now beat, deuce, tray, tray, seven, and seven. deuce, seven. And king, seven. Maybe king, seven, too. Yeah. So you do beat some two pair on the river. And villain goes pot and pot. That's about half my stack. I have 912. He bets 400 into 404 on the river. If I was going to jam, it'd be a click. Mm -hmm. Oh, this is the spot where I had the most questions. And I'm also, actually, I had a lot of questions about this spot, but I'm also would not be surprised if you just were like, what, what's the question? Um, this is hard. Oh, thank God. I mean... I'll tell you what, like intuitively, my snap thought is to fold. Oh, like I'm, I'm. <clears throat> oh, pot, pot, check, raise, pot, pot. Like, fuck. I mean, that's just so strong. Like, maybe I'm too nitty. Um, that like my initial thought is like, my God, like what, what so are your, your decision between fold and call? You're not even considering well, jamming here. When I consider call, that's when the door to raise becomes more apparent because like when I consider call, right? I think call and raise are very much related to each other. Because calling, we need value domination, right? And raising, we need value domination. So like those two those two actions are like very similar to each other. So like as soon as you start considering call, I think you also consider raise because like if they have enough worse two pair to bet that you can call. Um, maybe they have enough worse two pair that you can raise and max value it at, at, at you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I think those two actions. It, yeah. The problem are is that it's really hard to find two pair combos. I mean, I guess a, oh, that was my problem on the river. Yeah. Like this sizing scheme of like check raise, small pot, pot, I believe is fairly rare. I actually think that if I think that if they had, like their their air balls, they're more likely to bet like half on the turn or like seventy five percent instead of pot. And then the pot river is also like especially terrifying. Yeah. Um, so I mean, basically, like it, it it's going to boil down to like how many two pair combos do they have of like deuce tray tray seven um, and deuce seven suited, right? They got three combos of deuce tray, um, two combos of seven tray two combos of seven deuce if they have all of them and that's seven now they already have nine combos of sets deuces trays and sevens from the jump right um maybe they've got some combos of like king seven two right so that's like nine so now we're up nine and nine so i mean the problem is that all the sets play this way like all, all the sets can play this way right and I don't know how much two pair they have. There's got to yeah, be some like, some form of removal with the two pair. I don't even know if bottom two. Sometimes. Yeah. I don't know if bottom two bets pot on the river here, like with this run out of an ace and a king. Like, yeah. so I'm not even sure that like they're they're smaller two pair bets the river, like bets the turn and bets the river, using this size. So like 
I can pretty quickly rule out jam. I think, I think okay. jam is just too thin because yeah. there, there's removal there and they've got every combo of set. And we don't know how we're like just randomly guessing at uh, how much two pair they have. Yeah. Um, like one, so another consideration I think that makes the jam even thinner is that like, they can't have a of spades that check raise the flop and maybe value bets the river like this. They're just not over, just overplays our hand. And then like, they don't even have that though. Like if, you know, because I have the ace of spades, like we could say like, oh, maybe we could target, you know, ace seven of spades or like, you know, ace yeah. eight of spades or ace five of spades, ace four, like some of those hands that like, you know, make reasonable check raises on the flop and could conceivably value bet the river thinking that they have the best hand once they river top pair. But we don't even have that option because we have the ace of spades. So like another argument for not raising, I think. Yeah, I just wouldn't raise the river. I think now that I've thought my way through it, um, I, I, I'm, I'm going to rule out raise for myself. Like I, I would never raise. So for me, it's between call and fold. Okay. Um, calling is safer because there's this inherent possibility of like randomness that, you know, it's easy to over bluff. It's easy to bluff enough that we can call if there's some like button clicking going on. And that's always the fear, right? Is in a spot like this, unlike the last hand where they called four bet pre, um, the button clicking possibility is still open for business. Um, yeah, so when, when they flat the small blind, <laughs> huh? Yeah, when they flat the small blind facing a cutoff open, they could, you know. Right, right. Um, but yeah, I mean, I still feel like I just want to fold the river, and just that's that's like my. Okay. I feel that way. I don't know if I would. It's this is like to me this river call is actually. <laughs> Like the river fold is actually scarier in this spot to me than the last hand, because last hand I it was like it 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 could be fairly clear that like a lot of the bullshit is out. In yeah. this hand, it's not as obvious that like they just don't have like queen jack off or something, and like right, right, right. they're just going going berserk. So I mean, yeah, call or fold would really I would I would like to know more information about. This player, I would like to have played with them for however many hands you did and really just get a sense of like how they're playing poker and yeah. How um, quickly did they bet the river even, right? Like that. How quickly did they bet the river? Like, you know, do we have any other like information on just how they've played other hands? That sort of thing. So that information would be really critical to me actually in determining what whether I call or fold. Um on the surface, without any extra information. Um I just flip a coin. I don't. I don't really know what I would do. Like I, it's. I think yeah. the the safer play is to call, but I don't think folding is unreasonable either. I tanked almost all the way down. You know, almost, almost ran out of time trying to decide what to do on the river before uh, doing this. Oof! And I got snapped. Yeah. <laughs> not what you thought <laughs> not what i thought for sure the ace five of hearts um yeah see that's the i definitely would have missed on out on value like the random button clicking though that that's the biggest fear for me this worked out but i i i just want to like tell the audience and listeners that i still i'm more on board with your analysis of thinking about flatting or folding i think after like going through this hand and like kind of just eliminating all the two pairs. Like, like I, I, I'm with you. Like they could have seven, three and do three, but like, I don't think they had most people like flat those, flat those hands, even, yeah. even like the fishiest fish, right? Like the, this guy's like ace five suited, which is like a very, very, you know, it's very different from 
seven three. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I think I think I think I should have my decision should have been between call or fold on the river, like you said. Um, well, again, this uh, there's like this that element of like randomly clicking buttons, right? Like this this is why like it really matters to know like what this villain is thinking and how they're playing hands. Like what's their typical size when they bet? Like all, all of those like additional data points are like extremely helpful in navigating a spot like this. Um, and yeah, I don't, I don't really know what you knew or what you saw or if you saw or knew anything when this hand popped up, but yeah, it's, uh, yeah, this. I didn't see or know anything. I just, I was like, well, I'm top two. And that's a pretty good hand. And yeah. Yeah. Well, nice hand. Um, <laughs> like, like I said before, the safer play for me is the call just because of some, like, it's very, very, it's much, it's very easy for them to do something that enables us to call. Um, so anyway, good episodes, John. I think, um, you're probably right to be confused in this spot, I think, or just be torn between a lot of different actions because yeah, it's a tricky spot and pretty rare. So, all right. Yeah, that's it for Ace King versus Fish. See and by, by the way, for the listener, you know, I would have raised a turn and so <laughs> then jammed river and I still would have stacked him. Like, Hey man, maybe so. you just check folds the river if you raise the turn before, before all the money goes in. I maybe, maybe. You maybe they snap. bet pot. <laughs> maybe maybe they bet pot. You you raise and they snap with ace five. So <laughs> I, I'm gonna say that like, if I would have played the hand the way I wanted to, or if the hand was played the way I wanted to, then they would have called my small turn raise. I would have jammed river for value and same result, just <laughs> different avenue of getting there to say save myself. Um, all right, that's all I got for this week's episode of Tactical Tuesday. Man, long one. Who knew that playing ace king against uh against fish was so hard but apparently it is we thought king queen was hard now we're yeah. just tough wait, wait, wait till i get dealt aces we, we might have like a three-hour episode yeah. <laughs> see you next well, week everybody <laughs> see you next week thanks for listening to chasing poker greatness you can subscribe on apple podcasts or on your favorite podcast app Go to ChasingPokerGreatness.com to get the newsletter, join the Greatness Village community, book a coaching session, or dive into the latest data-driven poker courses. Follow the show on Twitter at CPG Podcast.